Hey, Jake, I like video games. Hey, Tony, I like video games, too. Well, great, because it's a brand new episode of Hey, I Like That Game. Hey, I like that game. Beautiful. Just, yeah, I could hear it coming from your diaphragm on that yeah. one. You know, it really took a deep breath in and, and came with it. You know? you know, my brain wasn't coming up with a, a jingle at the intro, so I thought my, my body could deliver one through, through my, my diaphragm. Jesus. Well, Jake, it sounds like you're doing great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you playing any video games lately? Uh, I I had been playing a game recently, so um, I was traveling a bit, uh, so I was on Slay the Spire on my phone, I was playing some Smash Bros uh, with some people too, which was super fun, uh, but after I got back, I don't know, none, 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 nothing was really like speaking to me, didn't have any games that just seemed that exciting, uh, so I started trolling through Game Pass, and I saw... Uh, a title that I had been meaning to play here and there, but never really got around to. But for since I was on Game Pass, it seemed like a perfect opportunity to. So I plowed through in one weekend the entire campaign for Titanfall 2. Oh, wow. Which uh, I I had, like, seen a little bit of it, like, at a Games Done Quick, and, you know, I had, like, heard of it, the reputation of it having, like, a pretty, like, a solid campaign, like, being, like, a good game. Yeah. And, like, people like the campaign. Yep. Real, real fucking fun campaign. Uh, I, I, I'm one of those nuts. I love the Call of Duty campaigns. Like it's my favorite part of those games. And this was just like that kind of like refined shooting that I like, mixed with just phenomenal movement and amazing, cool like platforming and level design and encounters. Um, they're like two main like shticks that are there for a few consecutive levels. Uh, the coolest one being, of course, like the time travel glove, mm-hmm. which is featured in like three of the levels. And oh man, like it, it has such cool implementation for platforming. But like even the encounters are really cool as you um like go back and forth through time. Like so you're in like the current time where it's like a decrepit, rundown building, and like local local like wildlife is trying to kill you, and the the facility's old like de- like decaying robots. And, like, it gets overwhelming, especially with the animals, and you, like, flash back in time, and you're, like, in the pristine lab again, but then the, like, contemporary security forces are trying to get you. And there's a lot of movement back and forth and trying to find cover in one area, and then, oh, no, it's compromised, so I got a quick flashback getting to cover there. It's, oh, man, it's so, it's so well done. And it leads to uh, like a really cool encounter, and I haven't like I haven't gotten like this jazzed or like this really into playing a game in a bit. So mm-hmm. Titanfall really really hit me uh, where I needed the game to hit me right now. I played it on hard, mm-hmm. which I think was good. Um, I think if it were easier, it, then you don't get to like use the mechanics in as much of an engaging way like you don't have to wall run and move around and Mm -hmm. use your cloaking so much i mean again i wouldn't think i just ran through it once but i'm happy that i played it on hard and i yeah i might i might play it again on the hardest difficulty we'll see um i hear nothing but good things about that game like i i tried I tried to play it like a year or two ago mm-hmm. uh, and I kind of like I played it for like an hour and I kind of just didn't go back to it. And I, it's one of those games I've always been meaning to go back to because like you said, it, like I I hear so many good things about 
how that game moves and like the novel set pieces and mechanics that they have in the campaign that's like not in the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it seems interesting. And like Respawn, they a great pedigree uh, as a developer there. They've made uh, some incredible games. And, you know, they come from, you know, X uh, Modern Warfare Call of Duty guys, I believe. Um, and yeah, and Apex is super cool. Uh, I'm glad that they uh, may have a chance to come back to that series at some point. I was afraid there for a minute that Titanfall would just like go away, but yeah, but it's I mean yeah, been a minute that that was uh, 2016 when Titanfall two came out, but yeah, I mean I, I I get it like that first hour isn't as engaging as it gets. You just have to it it's it's like it's just a bit of a slower start. Um, those yeah. first few missions and the l- environments aren't super interesting. Um, they're very like realistic kind of gray rocky landscapes or just you know you know future tech inside kind of stuff it's not it doesn't look bad but it's not like super inspiring and that just makes the first mission before you kind of get more into the meat of the level design opening up and getting that like those cool one-off mechanics that happen during the game yeah. I can I can definitely see why you bounced off in the first hour, but um if you if you ever feel the inkling to, definitely one definitely one that I liked, definitely one that just uh felt good to play. I yeah. hadn't had like a lot of fun playing the game in a while like that. So that was that was nice. Thanks. Nice. Thanks Titanfall. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Tony, have you been playing any games? Yeah, I have been playing some games. So, um uh, unlike you, I've been stuck at home for uh, a bunch of time, so I've actually played a bunch of stuff. Uh, so I, I have like two, two and a half games to talk about here. So the first, um, I want to talk about uh, Crown Trick again. Mm-hmm. So I talked about that the last episode. Uh, for those that recall, it's like it's a roguelike RPG with turn-based combat that has like skills and item interactions. Uh, that really make up the the meat of the gameplay, and it's kind of like Crypt of the Necro Dancer, where every time you move, so do all the enemies in the room. So you have to like play strategically around that. Um, so since our last episode, I've kind of quote unquote finished the game. I beat all the kind of runs available to you. They're broken up into like these chapters that all have like distinct final bosses that you play against. Um, so I finished all of that, and. I, I, that game is really good. I really, really like that game. There's a lot of stuff to upgrade and unlock, you know, so there's, I could go back and play, you know, probably another 20 hours of that game to get everything, you know, like unlock everything and do all that stuff. Um, and I might, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't often do that with games, uh, but this one's just really fun. I really like the loop. I really like it as a roguelike. I, I enjoy the, uh, the mechanics, uh, like the tenets of like a roguelite game. Um, and this one is just like, it's a really good pace for me. I, re- I really, I really like it. So I just want to shout that game out again. Crown trick. So good. Um, and on game pass right now. So you can try it out for free. If you have that service, um, the other two, uh, they're also on game pass right now that I've played, uh, the first Skatebird. Have you heard of this, Jake? Skatebird? I've heard of Skatebird. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh it's like an indie uh Tony Hawk game. Skatebird, Tony Hawk, pretty, pretty <laughs> um and it plays and it plays a lot like Tony Hawk. Like that's what it's going for. You have like the similar, you know, going uh up 
up ramps and like do it, you know, doing spins and grabs. The grinding is a very similar mechanism. Uh, it also has manuals, so you can kind of uh, string together uh, street tricks a little bit more. Um, I don't think it has specials like a, like a Tony Hawk has, but what it does have is like uh, the levels are a little bit um, more expansive in terms of like uh, things to do on them. So there's a lot more quests on individual levels and more things to collect like um, cassette tapes or you have to like, I think, I don't think you collect the letters for skate, but it's like, you know, collect some letters or whatever, you know, to spell out this Mm -hmm. thing. Um, A lot of different things like that are like hit this one gap. That's kind of hard to do. And the, the levels will evolve over time too. Like as you complete quests within a level, things will open up and, you know, change the layout slightly. And again, you're a bird, uh, so so you're a bird this whole time. You have, like, an extra, like, jump. You can, like, flap your wings to kind of, like, keep you in the air and keep the combo going, which is, like, okay. Um, part of the fun of this game is that it's, like, so ridiculous. Like, it's really janky. Like, the physics are very janky for, like, a, a skateboarding game, but it's, like, part of the charm. It's, like, a good jank. Um, I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, some of the other, like, little details that, like, I really like... Um, when you get going really fast on your skateboard, like you're doing good, your combos are going well and like you're, you're skating well, you'll be going faster and the bird will start like bobbing its head and like it, it's like recognizing that you're in the flow and your, your character's also like rep, like showing that same thing, kind of bobbing around and like just digging the whole skateboarding thing. Um, the soundtrack is fucking great like i really really like the music i don't often uh just pop on like original soundtracks to listen at work uh or like other places like i don't listen to a lot of video game music outside of like when i'm actually playing video Mm -hmm. games um but this soundtrack is great i really really enjoy it um it also has uh collectible cassette tapes that unlock extra tracks so like you're constantly getting more music like introduced to the game and it does have really um a smart ui where you can kind of turn tracks on and off so like if you're not enjoying something you can just not listen to it anymore pivotal you can't have a boring soundtrack in a skating game that's like half the reason you're playing it right right and like because it's this goofy bird centric skateboarding game and you're taking on quests so you're finding other birds and like you know starting quest lines with them the writing <laughs> is really funny uh it yeah it's it's neat it's a really neat game i wouldn't say um it's like my favorite game like it it was quaint i played it for a handful of hours it's worth checking out because i think it's neat and the soundtrack is good but i don't like love it you know uh, mm-hmm. it's a good like hey try this out like it's e- easy to recommend try if you have game pass if you're paying like uh paying full price for it maybe wait for a sale but if you got game pass try it out um the last game i want to talk about is one that i've always wanted to play and i've never had like the opportunity to play it until now i guess um and it was more of like like an academic uh uh adventure here but i've never played the game sunset overdrive and oh yeah yeah it that's a neat you know xbox exclusive 
like produced by uh, the guys at Insomniac. Like I think it was like made in conjunction with a couple studios and Microsoft. But you know, like it's got the Insomniac DNA in there. Like it feels a little bit like Ratchet and Clank. And you know, the academic part of it for me was looking at like. Um, I always heard this game had like really good movement. Like um, it's really kind of arcadey, but like the movement is really yeah. good. And I was like, I wonder if this like is the starts of what Spider-Man becomes, you know, Marvel Spider-Man. And it, it does feel like that. Like the movement feels like here is the prototype that they brought to Sony and Marvel and said, here, we want to make a Spider-Man game. Look at, the locomotion that we can do and like using the work that they did in sunset overdrive um, and brought it forward. Like it really does feel like that. Maybe I'm totally off base there, but it feels similarly fluid uh, because part of that game is you're always kind of grinding on, you know, pipes or jumping off walls or like you're always like you're trying to stay uh, mobile the entire time right that's what i heard about that game is that if you're standing still you're gonna get god yeah exactly it gets it's all about staying mobile keeping like your combo meter high because like you're shooting enemies and like killing stuff that like raises like your amp meter which gives you access to more powerful like boosts that Mm -hmm. will you know get more grandiose as you're you know combo extends and like the more that you're running on the ground uh you're just not you're not doing what the game intended so you're not getting those bonuses so you can't deal with the enemies as much um it's really um it's goofy it's zany it feels like it feels like uh this is what borderlands wants to be with their writing where it's like you know, immature-ish, but still, like, not grading. And this game is, is kind of that. Uh, I didn't end up playing... It's kind of, it's kind of grading? Because I find... I find that was going to be my question, because, like, uh, your comparison there, I find Borderlands to be quite grading. And yeah. I think a lot of games that are, like, trying to be funny on purpose are just, like, very grading. But, like, how do you find this game's, uh, like, tone or, like, humor? So, like, the humor, I think, is fine. It is sophomoric in a lot of ways but the things that i like about some of their jokes or like how they like set up the world in ways is that they do a lot of like cinematic touches where like as a scene will progress things in the background or foreground will like come together to like spell something or do like some sort of neat camera trick that like they do a lot of that in their cutscenes, which makes me uh, more accepting of some of the dumb stuff because it still mm-hmm. like shows like um artistry and it's like direction and not to say that borderlands doesn't have similar things to that i just feel like the dumb shit that comes up in borderlands is way more frequent than in this game it's a little bit more toned down there there's they have very similar energy they could be like you know cousins you know in terms of like um <laughs> in, in terms of like style and substance but like sunset overdrive is the cool older cousin to the borderlands cousin who's like still like lighting too many fireworks and like you're concerned for him to be around small animals like that's like it's that kind of dynamic <laughs> sunset overdrive tells only the most well thought out fart jokes exactly exactly you know <laughs> But yeah, it, it it was a fun it was a fun little game. I, I put maybe like five or six hours into it. Like I just wanted to check it out. But again, mm-hmm. like thank God for Game Pass for allowing me to do that. And yeah, it totally it feels like this is what turned into Spider Man. 
you know, totally. Yeah. And it may also give us clues to what the Wolverine game ends up being, because that is also made by the Insomniac That's a thing that's happening, too, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, they haven't said if that's going to be an open-world game or more of, like, you know, a linear story-driven game. Like, I could see either. Um, But if it's a... If it's an open world game, they'll have to figure out a way to make him move around quickly. And mm-hmm. let's see. You know, like I I am thoroughly convinced they can make a fun locomotion in an open world environment. I don't know. Wolverine Wolverine don't don't move as cool as Spider Man do though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like clap my claw up walls, kinda like do like an animal run or something like that. Dude, honestly, what I hope for that game is it it takes place like right after weapon x and he's in like the fucking northern canada out in the middle of nowhere and it's just like a small town tale or something like that um that turns into bigger and bigger stakes uh, but it stays really like small to start because he's really just trying to be in hiding Um, i'm not looking for trouble i'm just passing through exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) Well, I, trouble yeah. found you. As it often does, Wolverine. As it often does. How do you know my name? <laughs> uh oh, I think. Did you just play the trailer for the game? Is, is your mother named Martha, too? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. Batman versus Superman. So bad. Um, okay, Jake. Uh, are you ready to talk about our episode? game oh i've been puzzling to find a way to transition to it (laughs) (laughs) fucking solved it uh uh, when we return we will be talking about super puzzle fighter 2 turbo back hey i like that game today jake we are talking about super puzzle fighter 2 turbo turbo yeah <laughs> you always gotta get that turbo in there gotta get the turbo <laughs> it's great so this is my choice um i i really uh i really like this game uh mainly because it's like a mishmash of like a lot of my favorite things. One of one of the first video games I I remember like falling in love with and like becoming becoming a little obsessed with is Tetris. Very young age, uh, when I I remember the first time I I did a full Tetris like clear, you know, with the straight line block. It was like a revelation. Like holy shit, this is awesome. Like love puzzle games. So this game is a is a combination of what I love in puzzle games and then fighting games because it is very much a one-on-one I am fighting against another player Uh, and then on top of that it has a very fun skin over it which is you know the Capcom fighters of you know the early and late 90s you know your Street Fighter 2s and Darkstalkers and stuff Um, yeah like 
I played this game a ton when I was uh, a kid. I remember renting it from Mammoth Video. <laughs> they only had Ooh, one yeah. copy of it. I don't think anybody <laughs> else. I don't think anybody else knew what this game was, and I just kept. <laughs> I kept renting it over and over again. <laughs> uh, it it's so good. Um, but yeah, one of my favorite games of all time, really. Um, wow. Yeah, it I really is. Indeed, I love this game. I, I really, really love this game. It is also. Uh, one of voted game one of GameSpot's greatest games of all time, which is cool. Um, it's had a couple of re-releases. Originally came out in 1996 in the arcades. I think it was like a reskin of like another puzzle game, but like Capcom kind of threw the the chibi art style and all the Street Fighter and Dark Stalkers, you know, assets poured it into that. Uh, it ended up mm. being like a smash in the arcades and like was one of the top uh grossing arcade games of of 1996 it w- which like i think it went up against like a tech in that year and like um something else like another like huge competitive game that was like oh wow it, for at least a year super puzzle fighter 2 turbo did better than that which is uh crazy uh but yeah it's came out on like uh playstation that's where i played it a bunch as a kid uh gba uh, it had an HD re- uh, HD remix. Um, I don't remember exactly when that came out, um, but in like I don't know mid two thousands, I'm guessing. Um, and that game was also good. Uh, but yeah, dope game. Dope. Pretty. I can definitely see this being a huge hit in the arcade for just like the sake of you get i think a good amount of value from your 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 coin there too because yep. these these matches last a bit a bit longer than like i think a fighting 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 game round and the, can. there can be a lot of back and forth there it's a uh, it's a pretty pretty intense head-to-head game so tony we played this uh independently for a little bit and then just before recording you and I went went head to head. I think I won one out of the ten games we played. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's fun. It's a very fun head to head game. We were definitely like very in the zone, feeling it like yes there for our latter games because we you and I usually like bullshit a good amount, even if we're like playing like a competitive game. But we were we were both like slack jawed, like lean forward, yeah, it, really working on it. This uh, I. I love these type of games, you know, like the competitive, like lean forward experiences, you know, like um, I, I also really enjoy puzzle games. um, And this game is, like I said, it's like a good mismatch of like a lot of the things I like about video games and and put it all into one package. So kind of take a step back and explain what this game is to folks who have never, who's never seen it, never heard of this game. Uh, So imagine the play field, very similar to Tetris except at the top, the entire top isn't open. There's only kind of one slot open uh, to drop the pieces that you're going to be you know, manipulating for this game, which is um, always comprised of two gems, uh, whether it's a regular gem or a another gem called a crash gem. And basically, the object of the game is to link, link together like-colored gems with uh that are like of the regular variety and then use crash gems that are um of the same colors as the regular gems to break and clear the regular gems and then at the same time sending garbage over to your opponent's play field on the other side so it's it's this kind of ebb and flow push and pull uh trying to 
cover your opponent's play field with garbage so they can't play any more pieces, you know, game over, and that's the round. Um, mm-hmm. Usually played uh, best of three, uh, just like a fighting game uh, typically does. Uh, because, you know, one match can, you know, take usually several minutes to play, but, like, one individual round can go by really quickly if somebody's, like, on fire and, like, does a bunch of cool stuff, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so... And then... Oh, go ahead. Like, so what you were saying about, like, kind of, like, the ebb and flow with this game is when you do drop drop garbage or, like, drop your pieces on your opponent's board. Like, that just gives them more more pieces to work with in the future. So, like... Yeah, kind of like, I think the biggest rookie mistake that I, you know, still definitely make, because I'm still definitely a rookie, is just trying to clear things for the sake of, like, clearing things, and then that sends over blocks to your enemy side, and then they have more to work with, so when they break something, that's just going to be a bigger break, and they send more garbage your way. So it's a, there's a lot of strategy in, like, setting it up, trying to keep your side relatively clear, but also trying to build it up so that when you do get that crash gem that you need it's gonna hurt hard yeah yeah so the way garbage works in this game because it is different than playing you know a tetris variant um where you're similarly throwing garbage to the other uh play field in this game garbage is uh in the form of what we call counter gems these little gems have a digital readout a digital number on there um that coincide with the amount of pieces you need to drop before they change into a regular gem. So each character has different drop patterns that will show you kind of the colors that drop when you do certain attacks, basically, or a certain amount of damage, uh, clear a certain amount of gems. Uh, but basically, as a character, when you break uh, your regular gems with a, um, with a uh, crash gem, send garbage to the uh, opponent's field, different color counter gems will fill their play field that you know, once they get down to zero, they would turn to regular gems and you can break them like any other regular gem. Uh, like you said, Jake, part of the, the beauty of this game is like setting up counter attacks and like, you know, looking at, okay, my opponent is dropping, you know, all of these blue and red counter gems in my play field. I'm going to stick a blue, uh, crash gem in the middle of a bunch of them and i'll still drop a bunch of pieces later but when we get through five turns or whatever it turns back into a regular gem you got a crash gem already there ready to like break that um Mm -hmm. so that's where a lot of the counterplay comes up where like your opponent will send a ton of garbage onto your side but you if playing correctly, um, you'll have some time to like counterattack a little bit, plan your own like a couple of turns ahead, I guess, um, and then hopefully clear a bunch of that garbage that they just sent to you, and then mm-hmm. put them in a in a shitty position and kind of go back and forth. Uh, the other good thing that you need to kind of uh, plan some of your strategy around is um, there is a a gem piece that you can drop that will basically say whatever whatever gem it touches it will clear that in your entire board of that colored gem so uh let's say your opponent has dropped a bunch of red gems on you you're about to die you can drop that gem onto a red one and then clear a ton of your board to give you space 
to you know stay alive basically because the the whole point of the game is like you're trying you're fighting to keep your side clean so um anything that helps you clear stuff out will uh is good and that that gem that doesn't send back or like attack the opponent that just like just clears it out like without giving you points right no it does it does send garbage so it's a reduced it's a reduced attack so okay uh, i think that's what i was picking up on yeah so the the counter gems they will have um different amounts in terms of uh, counter gems it drops and it will have variations on the amount of digits that it starts with so a gem clear using that you know uh, wild card piece or whatever that clears all of one color that's only going to drop let's say I, I don't know the actual numbers on this but hypothetically it's only going to throw half the damage at you that that normally like clearing that amount of gems normally with a crash gem it'll give you half that damage and then uh only put threes on the counter gems so they clear faster giving you more opportunity to counter so you can still use it to like finish somebody off like if you're watching their thing like oh i just have to drop a little bit more on them you can try to like you know just uh, clear a bunch of stuff that way for the killing blow but if it's like a situation where your other opponent has you know not much on their side it's better to use that gem on something else to clear fewer gems but to reshake your board a little bit so ooh, mm-hmm. all of a sudden more things are connecting then you use right. a normal crash gem on that bigger attacks more damage will be sent to your opponent that way but sometimes you don't have time for that you know um a lot of this game is played in the seconds before you die like a lot of the beauty is trying to mount a counterattack at the very last moment and turning it around and flipping that onto your opponent and beating them. Like, that is the best feeling in this game, I feel like. Um, and mm-hmm. a feeling... You and the game, lets, the game lets you do it with, the, mm-hmm. like, accumulation of those blocks. And when they do turn, like, if you have those crash, crash blocks in there or you just get the right, the right drop at the right time, you can get big, big breaks after you kind of just, like, stabilize or after you just barely, like, survive. Yes. You can get some big big swings in it we had some games like that too where it's just back and forth uh, yeah. a couple times it's it's just like it feels just like in a normal street fighter match like in terms of like get rid of the execution of punches and kicks in street fighter but a lot of people say one of the big elements of a street fighter game that people don't always think about when they play it casually is like the meter game right who has the most meter to do the most damage at any given moment and super puzzle fighter is almost like a distillation of that if you do a bunch of damage to me and drop all of those counter gems onto my side if i survive it that's like me getting full meter and if i can execute the right combo i.e dropping the right counter gem doing the right you know manipulation of your board to break all that there's the super move that will turn the tide of my game and then beat my opponent. You know, like, uh, it's interesting. There's like, interesting- uh, Tony, are you telling me that Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo is kind of like a fighting game? Dude, it's like not even kind of <laughs> like a fighting game. It totally is a fighting game. <laughs> like, this is a fighting game. It, it is. It's a fighting game where you don't have to worry about execution of complicated uh, combos. It's more 
uh, speed, quick strategy, and quick problem solving. Like that's really what. Yeah. It's the yeah. same, but the same thing. Like there's, you can play like footsies, quote unquote, in this game by like sending a lot of quick <laughs> attacks at somebody's side to put just small amounts of counter blocks on their side to fuck up their stacks, right? If like I see that you're meticulously planning your gem placements like because i can see your board like both boards are mm-hmm. on the screen there's no secrets yeah it's, en- it's encouraged to see what your opponent is doing so if i see you're doing that okay i'm gonna send a bunch of little attacks your way and just fuck up what you're trying to do and then while you're trying to to figure that out i've already been stacking all this other stuff i have like a five combo chain of like really small attacks but you know you combo them together a little bit you could start to do some some real damage um yeah, you fuck with my blocks, you fuck with my combos. It's, it's true. It's tough. This um, it it this is a very I think difficult or easy to learn, difficult to master, or not even I don't even say like difficult to master because I not saying that like oh I'm the expert at this now. Not even nobody can touch me. Tony kicked my butt all the time. I'm sure any of you listening would be able to as well. Um, but like I watch uh, an exhibition match of like pro super puzzle fighter two people and i mean they're not doing like any like crazy strategies like when you watch an actual fighting game and you see people who are experts at it and Mm -hmm. like the movement and the inputs there are just like absolutely nuts like you can follow what's going on mechanically the game isn't very complicated it's just a matter of being able to kind of know where you should be placing, like what you should be building towards, like what colors you should be prioritizing, keeping together. Yes. And then, yeah, like kind of getting that, that balance of small attacks, like, but mostly building up for heavy attacks seems to be the main strategy. It's, 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 it's not that it's a very easy game. It's a very easy game, but it's very cool. And like the depth of it comes in the ebb and flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel like this is a game just like Windjammers where, like you said, easy to pick up, hard to master, a lot of depth here um, to get into. Uh, I think a lot of like the fun mastery of this game comes into figuring out how to set up like longer chain combos um, because unlike a Tetris, unlike um, a Tetris attack or anything like this where... Um, you don't have to deal as much with what your opponent is doing. Um, it's more about just like survival. Um, in this game, your opponent has direct um, impact on your board. Um, mm-hmm. So it it adds just different kinds of strategies to that. You know, like it, it'll always we get the exact same pieces, me and you, right? Both players get the exact same pieces, and it's. It's how you leverage those pieces and then um, how do you come back from mistakes? I never know when I'm going to get attacked. I never know when like uh, something strange might happen, but we both have the same pieces. So I know kind of what could be you're building towards versus what I'm building towards. Like if I'm looking for a blue crash gem, more than likely you are too, you know? Mm-hmm. So like you, those little bits of information do help the strategy a bit. Um, cause it's like, Hey, if I'm in a, in a blue drought, you're also in a blue drought. It's like, I'm going to try to, if I look at your board and I see a bunch of big blue gems, like now's the time to attack. So the, to bury those, so you don't even get to them, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. and it's fun. It's, it's fun little dynamics like that, that, uh, make it really fun. It's kind of like how, uh, 
like in Tetris 99, people are like looking at other people's boards, seeing who they can clear, who can like who can they KO quicker. Like I love, I love that style of uh, of game. I guess like there's there's so few puzzle fighting games, but I love them. This is the shit <laughs> I love. It's so good. It's so good. Um, it's it's yeah. It's very good. It's very cool. Yeah. Um. So we haven't really talked about the characters too much. Uh. So the, the art style of this game is like the chibi, super deformed, small versions of classic Street Fighter and Darkstalkers characters. You got your Ryus, Ken, Chung Lee, Sakura from Street Fighter, uh, Morgan, Donovan, Felicia, and um, I think it's called like Henko, Senko. I, can't, I can never remember her name. Um, the last Darkstalkers. Uh. The right, one, right. Yeah, the one the, that like, I know. Drop, which one, I know you're talking about. Yeah, that like that has the little card on her forehead and like drops spike balls and stuff. Dr- drops swords and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, it's like um, so. It's all they're these so kids. edgy for this art style. Yeah, and it's cool. Like so, when you break a gem as Ryu, he shoots a fireball. You know, Ken does fire uppercuts and stuff to his opponents. Um, they do, you know, their taunts and stuff like that. Like if you do a very small attack, uh, like. Ken will will say like you know come at me or something like that you know like they'll do their little taunts and stuff and I like if you do really big attacks they will do supers you know they'll go crazy colors the screen will do the same thing where if you win around on a big super move it'll like go like super KO you know like it'll give you that mm-hmm. that same kind of feeling of when you're playing a you know Street Fighter Alpha game in the arcades you know it's like a very similar. Um, uses those same sounds and um, and uh, just like evoking feelings, uh, which I, I love about that. But yeah, there's these little super deformed characters. They're great. Um, it allows them to be a lot sillier, you know. Uh, they're they're goofy, which I love. If this game, so uh, you were you were telling me about this uh, when we were playing, but it's also something I noticed when I uh, I was playing. So. This game is very funny, and it tells, like, one of the best jokes ever in the mechanics of the game with the character Dan. Yes. Uh, so, Tony, do you want to tell tell the people about this? Yeah, yeah. So, like I said earlier, all the characters have different drop patterns. You know, like, uh, Ryu has a very standard, like, here's, you know, all the different colors kind of in lines. Ken is the same, except in rows instead of uh, uh, columns. All the characters have different combinations of those drop patterns, right? Um, it's kind of supposed to show uh, kind of difficulty or complexity in playing them. For example, Chung Lee has the simplest drop pattern, um, almost the simplest drop pattern, but she makes up for it by doing more damage per gem break that you do with her, right? So a lot of context to explain Dan. Uh they, this game does a fake out with the final boss where it it shows that you're going to fight Dan, who is a notoriously garbage character from Street Fighter. Uh, he's he's really bad in some games, decent in others, but he's the joke character. He's the guy that they're that he's the weakest. Right. When they first show you Dan, his drop pattern is literally just one color, <laughs> just all red. So what that means is, and, and when you play as Dan in like the uh, the other like at home versions of this game, it's it's the worst playing as Dan because you could be having the game of your life, but the only color your opponent is getting is 
red. So they're just building up the biggest gem possible to destroy mm-hmm. you. It's it's really hard to beat people with Dan, I feel like. If anybody has like even the slightest ability at this game, like you're gonna beat Dan. You know, like it's it's ridiculous. But yeah, the game does do a fake out where it's like Dan rolls in, does his freaking, you know, uh, yelling at you with his fist up. And then um, Akuma raging demon comes in and just (laughs) kicks his ass. So you fight Akuma as the last boss, which his drop pattern is. It's like just random. It's It's just like a bonkers. It's just like it's like diagonals. It's terrible. It's really hard. Uh. It's really hard to fight, but you can beat him like like it's. Oh, yeah. He's totally beatable. Did you uh, what was did you try it on hard? On the hardest difficulty? I I didn't I tried a little bit on the hard. I only like beat it on on normal. Um but like when you're when you're playing, it's it's tough, like especially if you're, you know, a newbie like me. And part of the counterplay is kinda like looking at your enemy's drop pattern and then building in preparation for knowing what's gonna drop where. And like it's it's tough tough to incorporate that for sure. Like uh yeah. but when you're facing the same person again and again you kind of get the rhythm of it too so like being like really in depth with that like track like keeping paying attention to it every time a new uh challenge comes up when dan comes up and it's like all red yeah it's great i legit just like chuckled chuckled to myself because it's like that's a good that's a good joke character like thing to put in like using the mechanics of the game Super, super fun. It's um, great. But yeah, I, I got part of the way through playing through hard, and then I just kind of ran out of time. <laughs> it's it's hard, too. Like, hard mode is tough. Like, it's... It's so... Jeez, yeah. They, and it's, they it's don't fuck aggravating, too, because, like, in fighting games, yeah, the computer can cheat and stuff like that, but, like, everything's on the table in Super Puzzle Fighter. Nothing's, like, ambiguous. You can see exactly what's going on all over the place, so you can just, like, see how bad you're getting beaten through using like the exact same tools that you have um i thought it'd be frustrating in that way i i get frustrated a lot playing arcade games like this obviously because they're designed to be like repeatedly played to get more money out of you and just like it can be a yeah it can be a tough game like nothing nothing at fault with that but i definitely did get pretty frustrated at times playing this game yeah you know we can get we can get to it if you got if you got nothing else you want to talk about because like i yeah like hey hey hey, i like this game it's i i had never played it i had never i had had, like seen it a bunch of times um either played it in arcade or just i don't know somewhere on like a display and i never actually never actually touched it but it's one i've been aware of yeah and i had i had fun playing it for sure like if i'm ever in an arcade and i see it in the wild now like i will definitely definitely throw a quarter in there see if some people want to play uh this is a this is a very compelling puzzle game that it's easy to pick up it rewards fast and thoughtful play it's got a good ebb and flow the aesthetic is is you know cute and approachable Yep. Hey, I like this game. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. Hey, I like that game. Um, this is this is a great game. Uh, like I said, it's on like my list of like all time favorite games, and a lot of it is because just the core gameplay loop is great. There's not a, like the added modes like I was talking about, like Y Z X mode. Like those are fun, but they're not like necessary. Like the core mm-hmm. mode is good. This is a game that's great to have on almost any device, and if you're like sitting in a waiting room somewhere like oh i could play like a game or two of this and like it's a great time every time you play it 
it's a uh, it's a hail like that game up and down up and down um, absolutely I, yeah. I also want to shout out uh, there's a game called crystal crisis which is the most recent game to try to be like a super puzzle fighter um mm. so it's basically indie puzzle fighter um mechanics are basically the exact same they have a couple of small tweaks to that formula which you can kind of turn on and off you can make this game play identically to uh puzzle fighter really um it's a mishmash of like indie characters like a uh, quote from cave story or isaac from the binding of uh, <laughs> astro boy is in that game for some reason um <laughs> but like it's a really fun game um I don't think it has as much charm as Super Puzzle Fighter, but that's because, like, I'm steeped in the nostalgia of Super Puzzle Fighter. You know, like, I love those characters. Like, when I get to see fucking Donovan, like, in a uh, in a Capcom game, like, that's, like, such an obscure Darkstalkers character. And he's, like, boom, right there. You know, I, I love that kind of stuff. So I, I the art style of Cry- uh, Crystal Crisis is not my favorite, but... That's just a personal preference thing. Mechanically, they play really similar. Um, And I'll tell you, Crystal Crisis on my Switch was an excellent, excellent buy. Such a great thing to have on an airplane. You know, like sit there, play a couple rounds of a a puzzle game while you're listening to a podcast or like reading a book or doing an audio book or something. Excellent. 10 out of 10 would recommend um, to do when you're traveling. (laughs) But but yeah, I just want to shout out... uh, Crystal Crisis as a uh, more modern approach, I guess, to uh, Super Puzzle Fighter. Pick it up on the Switch yes. in GameStops near you. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, <laughs> so, so, Jake, we have a uh, listener question here, and I know we still need to talk about what game we're playing next, but... Uh, let's hit this question Let's first. hit this question. So, uh, this is from Race, friend of the show Race. Uh, hi, Race. Hi, Jake and Tony. I have a question and an offer for you guys. We won't get to the offer. We'll, we'll keep that under wraps. But anyways. Oh, uh, okay. On the Legend of Mana episode, Tony said something to the effect of, I'm not going to fight you on that when Jake was expressing how he disliked the pixel art. Uh, my question is, what are some contentious topics between you two? When has your co-host been dead wrong about something? It's from Race in Seattle. Thanks, Race, uh, for your question. Oh, man. When have uh, you been dead wrong about something? I bet you can... I bet you have a few examples of what I've been dead wrong on. I know. I Well, one, what was that? That fucking Galaga game that we played. Galaga Destination Earth. That, oh. was, that was a bad choice, Jake. I will say that was a bad choice. Dead wrong about putting that one on the show. Uh, but, but, like, you make up for it with, like, the beautifully bad of fucking star fox adventure um so Mm. but um the only i'll say the one thing that i know you're dead wrong about is final fantasy 14 that game is good (laughs) you just suck like that's really what it is you're not an mmo guy but that game no i am not an mmo guy and i think i was projecting that onto final fantasy 14 is that i just i'm not into the mmo structure and that was the one that was in front of me at that time. Uh, <laughs> yes. So it, it got a good degree of my ire. Yes. So you are you are wrong about that. But most, I don't often disagree with your takes, even when it's uh, opposite of mine towards a video game. I usually don't fully disagree with you, but Final Fantasy XIV is the first one that, that came to mind for me. 
Yeah, we don't really, like, hard disagree on things often. And if we do, it's, like, it's because of our, our preference, mostly. Um, I think you're dead wrong about Bethesda RPGs. <laughs> I yeah. think those are, listen, not solidly designed not always the most structurally sound foundations there a lot of lot of jank a lot of shortcomings in those will admit but oh man they're all they're all real fun immersive sims and you need to give them more due and more respect and you're also dead wrong that resident evil 6 is a, a camp masterpiece okay that's a phenomenal game. <laughs> Jake, I didn't want to I didn't want to go there, but thank you so much for opening up this can of worms. You, no, no. Resident Evil 6 is not a good game. It is not a good game. It's not worth your time. Of it is course very it's not a good game. It's, it okay, is I will say why don't watch watch some stupid shit on YouTube of that game. You don't have to play that game. I'm like don't but No, you have it. to play it. That's part of the experience. It's so baffling in so many of its choices. It's so bizarre both mechanically and story-wise like you can watch a bad movie for sure but you can't play a bad movie you can play i think maybe the only so bad it's good video game in existence resident evil 6 oh my god i know there we go i think you i think you found the issue that we're both (laughs) ride or die on (laughs) yeah i think that's it so thanks thanks for the question race appreciate that Oh, man. You know what, Tony? What's that? Talking about Resident Evil 6 is actually a pretty good transition to talking about some spooky stuff. Because it is the month of November. No, it's not. Not the month of November. It's the month of October. (laughs) We'll cut that. It's the month of October, which means it's time for some spooky games. And I have a spooky game that I want you to play for the next episode of the podcast. And we are going to be playing the HD remaster of Resident Evil. Ooh, first Resident Evil. First Resident Evil. So the GameCube HD remake of RE1 will be the next, the, the first, maybe only, but maybe first, spooky, well, definitely first, maybe only, possibly first of second spooky game that we were playing this oh hey i like that spooky game in the most hallowed of seasons of halloween for hey like that spooky game we (laughs) we will try to get hey i like that two spooky games we'll try to get two in this month but uh let's see if if life allows but that jake this is a great pick i've always wanted to play this game i've never played the original resident evil or this remake i've had it though uh i just haven't played it so hey Thank you, sir. Thanks for, hey, thanks for the push. Hey, I'm, I'm excited. I have not played a Resident Evil game before that came out before 4, and mm. I would classify Resident Evil as one of my favorite series ever, as you can hear by my uh, opinion of Resident Evil 6, yes. and I also like the games that are good on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have not gone to the uh, pre, pre-RE4 games uh ever so i i figured this would be a good one for us to pick and it legit looks kind of spooky to me 
Yeah, I mean, like, and this was the start of their remakes, right? So this is like the first one they remade, and they've done a good job with two and three. So let, let's see how mm-hmm. they do with the very first one. Uh, this would be great, Jake. Uh, great call. Where can the folks at home find us on the internet? You can find us all over the internet. We are on Twitter at like that game. You can email us at hey like that game at gmail dot com. You can find our Facebook page at the Hey Like That Game podcast, and Tony streaming every Tuesday, and we got another special stream coming up uh, next month, and oh. you can find that twitch.tv slash Hey I Like That Game. Yeah, so uh, League Trolley still going for the month of October, so uh, come one, come all, play some Smash Brothers on Tuesdays for Try Hard Tuesdays, and maybe win some money, and definitely get some coupons, hashtag League Trolley. Uh, so check that out. Um, and then yes, uh, the second annual, Hey, I like that game, 24 hour charity marathon, uh, coming up here. We will, we'll, you know what? We'll just, we'll just, we'll just say it. November 6th, folks. November 6th. That's 6th. when it's going down. That's I wasn't when, sure if we were making the announcement. <laughs> let's just fucking do it. Cause now it's real. Now it's a hundred percent real. November 6th will be the charity stream. We have all of our preparations, uh, underway here. Keep an eye on our socials, uh, and yeah, it should be should be a lot of fun. Uh, last year was a ton of fun. Can't wait oh, to do so it again. Oh, so much fun. Yeah. It'll be good. I'm so excited. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, make sure to stop in then, and also make sure to stop into the next episode of Hey Luck, that game we are playing Resident Evil Remake. As always, Jake, live life passionately. Love each other unconditionally. And play video games. Thanks, everybody. Everybody have a spooky, spooky time. Have a, you know, just have the spookiest, like super spooky, like, crazy spooky. I high five a ghost today. Yeah, everybody. You know what? I, you know what? Late in podcast recommendation for spooky stuff. Midnight Mass just came out on Netflix. That shit's a bomb. It's so good. Midnight Mass. <laughs> Netflix. It's spooky. Ooh. TM. Cop- copyright. Yeah, are we done with this? No. Spooky time trademark of hey, I like that game. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you like the show, please give us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. You know, every little bit helps. Hashtag propagate the pod. <laughs>